גן עדן. כל אחד עובר מבול. DNA's helical loop was wrought onto the record, next to pictures of cells and cell division. There was a fertilized ovum, a fetus, a newborn child. A diagram illustrating continental drift appeared next to a photograph of a young woman in a supermarket. There was a telescope, a microscope, a seashell, a leaf, a house being constructed, a large factory interior, dolphins, whales, and a Greenland shark. There was a highway, a string quartet, representations of sheet music next to the instruments required to play them and the source forests from them. There were bonobo chimpanzees, the parameters of the solar system, a description of set theory, an Antarctic expedition record, astronauts orbiting the moon. There were the inner planets, a calibration cycle, the Voyager 1 craft itself, the faces of the 17,000 men and women who had built it, the common fruit fly, the human eye, spindrift over the Mojave, chains of mountains above and below water. There were pictures of recent advances in computing, the metals used to build hardware in pure form, a dam, a windmill, an ant, a Texas oil refinery, a wheel, an octopus in various stages of color display, a single crystal of sand in extraordinary detail, the craters of the moon, the ridges and creases and lumps of the human tongue, indoor and outdoor food markets, contemporary and traditional clothing from 27 countries, handwriting in 119 languages, binary code, the Fibonacci sequence, the essential stages in the factory assembly of a car, organized protest, cemeteries, still images from sport, the complete skeleton of a pterosaur, Crop circles, the whirls upon a snail shell, the Andromeda galaxy seen from Earth, a factory farm, the furthest limits of astrophotography, mushroom clouds over Nevada, a seismic reading from a scale 9 earthquake, epidemiology curves reconstructing the progress of the Spanish flu, Earth's population charted as a spirograph. There were recordings including greetings in 53 languages, announcing the new year. Water festivals, smoldering funeral pyres, waves hitting ashore, Gaelic psalms singing, an entire an engine starting and accelerating, glass smashing, a male and female climaxing, a fist hitting a wall, a child born, a building demolished, a dog reunited with its owner, a green apple crunched, two hands clasping for the first time, the howler monkey's call, a deserted infant sobbing, the Doppler effect in passing sirens, equatorial thunder, late-stage marathon runners on tarmac, the swish of a net as an object hits it, Martin Luther King Jr.'s address, trees bending but not breaking, clamshells opening, the single extant recording of Virginia Woolf speaking, concrete setting, a glacier traveling, ice breaking, and reptilian and mammalian heartbeats from ascending metabolic scales. This particular list is only a partial account of the contents of the golden record, strapped to the space probe Voyager 1, the first human-made object to pass out of our solar system and into interstellar space. This poetic listing comes from the wonderful book In Ascension by Martin McInnes, but in fact it's only a part of the story. The challenge posed to scientists in the 1970s was immense. What should be chosen to explain Earth, in all its complexity and immensity, to an alien species? Assuming that once it left the solar system there was a chance that someday an intelligent form of life would recover the Voyager probe and understand how to access the information on the record, two pretty big ifs, what would we want them to find there? Voyager is not heading for any particular star as we have no idea where intelligent life might be if it exists. But about 40,000 years from now, the probe, no bigger than a transit van, will pass within 1.6 light-years of the star Gliese 445. 
If any being does eventually find it at Glees 445 or elsewhere, what will they make of the hodgepodge of images, music, and scientific diagrams that have been inscribed on the gold-plated copper record? I don't think we can even begin to answer that. But what is interesting to me is not the question of what, if anything, the golden record might make aliens feel, and instead explore what it might make us feel. Like many, I have often been fascinated by space and by stars, not because I care a great deal about the chemical spectroscopy of interstellar gases, nor the increasingly nonsensical premises of particle physics, but because when you lay in a field in the middle of the night and you look at the stars, you feel it. Awe. That sense of wonder is almost universally described by its adherents as the sense of feeling small. Indeed, when listing the litany of the Golden Records table of contents, there's a sense of overwhelmingness. Earth is too big, too full, too complex. We can never understand it, just as we can never reach the stars. While I can connect with the sense of the feeling small in the shadow of the stars, and much of my own spiritual life has indeed been structured and inspired by awe like this, I also don't think it's the only way to approach the divine. Ultimately, staring at the stars doesn't work for everyone. Considering the immensity of history and geography and how it might inspire some, for others, it might only inspire trepidation. So how can we articulate an alternative way to encounter the divine if we don't look for God in the immensity of the world? Earlier this year, a wonderful little book was released by poet and writer Catherine May called Enchantment. Enchantment, as May describes it, is an alternative to awe, a complement to awe. May talks about the sensation, which perhaps you can relate to, of a growing sense of unreality in the world. Everything increasingly feels artificial, ground between the non-stop cycles of clickbait news and social media chatter. As she says, quote, It feels as though we've undergone a halving, then a quartering, and now we are some kind of social rubble. If all is about seeking experiences that make us feel small, then enchantment, as May would have it, is about seeking small experiences that make us feel. Enchantment is about affection and attention, both towards the world, feeling love and affection to what we see around us, and also paying attention to those feelings. I think it provides a powerful complement to the conventional religious conception of awe. Catherine May defines enchantment in her own way in her introduction, and I think it's worth quoting in full. She says, Enchantment is a small wonder magnified through meaning, fascination caught in the web of fable and memory. It relies on small doses of awe, almost homeopathic, those quiet traces of fascination that are found only when we look for them. It is the sense that we are joined together in one continuous thread of existence with the elements constituting this earth, and that there is a potency trapped in this interconnection, a tingle on the border of our perception. It is the forgotten seam in our geology, the elusive particle that binds our unstable matter, the ability to sense magic in the everyday, to channel it through our minds and bodies, and to be sustained by it. Several things stand out about this I think we need to draw our attention to. First of all, as she explains, enchantment relies on basically small doses of awe. We need to almost microdose majesty and mystery into our day-to-day -day lives. Second, a sense of connection to nature, as she describes it, is not really centered on humans, per se. It's not about looking at other people and seeing the meaningful feeling there. It's about seeing all life, all being, as somewhere we find connection. For her, the blessing of connection is biocentric, not anthropocentric. And third, sensing magic is first, 
and feeling magic and observing it, but actually being sustained by it is the real goal, which means we need to become magicians ourselves, magicians in some way of the mundane. May's book is devoted to her quest for the magic in mundane life, the enchantment within the everyday, and chronicles her experiences with this. It's not a self-help book or a how-to guide, but a personal reflection that can prompt others to think, how can I become entranced and enchanted by the everyday? For May, the climax of her journey comes in a realization about God. She says, The alchemy comes in understanding the truth that is so easily hidden, that everything is interconnected, that there is only one whole, that we exist within a system that includes every degraded human act and every beautiful one, every blade of grass and every mountain that shines and snaps and varies like the surface of the sea. We, as individuals, contain it all. We hold within us the potential for the greatest good and the most dreadful evil. We know intuitively how each feels because there are lines traced between us and everything else. I don't have to believe in God as a person. I can believe in this instead. The entire mesh of existence binding us together in ways we perceive only if we listen. Each of us is a particle of this greater entity. Each one contains it all. We as individuals do contain it all. Each of us is indeed our own golden record, attempting to transmit an overwhelming, awe-inspiring, interconnected reality outwards, and failing, always, to be comprehensive. All we can do instead is look at each little detail, to be enchanted by it, to give our attention and our affection to all those things we meet in our day-to-day lives, and to choose to encounter them and bring ourselves closer. If each of our lives could make their own golden record, if we were to try and transmit everything we are to some interstellar intelligence, what would we include? Of course, there would be our job titles, our business cards, our A-level results, our bank account summaries, and social media profiles. But there would also need to be all the other miniature moments of magic. The way you sneeze, the sound of your footsteps at the end of a long day, the cartography of calluses on your hands, your favorite song, the last thing you think of before you fall to sleep at night, the best and brightest memory you ever had, what goes through your head when you get into a car and prepare to drive, the lines left on your skin by all the things you wear daily, wedding rings and wristwatches and waistbands, the order of how you put on your shoes in the morning, the mosaic of spots, dark and light, you see when you close your eyes. That is the magic, the enchantment of life. Each instance may not immediately strike us as full of awe, but perhaps the best response to a world where we continually feel overwhelmed, halved, quartered, ground down, is to cherish and celebrate all the sustaining moments of magic in our life. Personally, I think it would make a great record, and probably tell whatever aliens might be listening a lot more about us than we realize. Responding to the world means being open to perceiving the interconnectedness between all things. It means re-enchanting ourselves with affection and attention. It means looking for the divine constantly. May concludes her book with a bit of theology we cannot ignore and we must take seriously. She says, God is a name whispered between us. It's time to start listening. <laughs>